Hey, you're tuning into Recess. Today on the show, we have Joan Lowe with us. She's the founder and CEO of Thoughtful, the app that puts a professional therapist at your fingertips for one-on-one coaching sessions, making access to mental health care more seamless for all. Hi, I'm Sulin. And I'm Kessel. Let's go. Hey, Joan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me here. So happy, so happy to have you here. I actually came across your story through one of our podcast guests, uh, Amanda Wan, when she spoke about you. I immediately knew that I had to reach out and get you on the Recess podcast. And here you have me. I'm so (laughs) glad we're connected. Uh, Amanda does amazing work in the world of mixology. So yes, very excited. Yeah, first of all, I want I just want to say congratulations on raising $1.1 million in seed funding just this month. How do you feel about that as the founder and CEO of Thoughtful? Uh, super excited. I, I think as any founder would tell you, uh, the fundraising process is uh, something that can be time consuming and takes you away from the business building part. Uh, but I think this was a, a, a journey that was uh, very much full of learnings. And I think it w- is a, it's a great validation for the space, right? Uh, because traditionally mental health care uh, was something that is very stigmatized in Asia. Uh, and when it comes to digital digital healthcare, it's still very, very nascent here. Uh, and so the fact that we were able to close our round oversubscribe at 1.1 mil yeah. uh, US, I think this was something that was very exciting. And I hope we won't we won't be, you know, the last ones to do so. I hope it paves the way for other startups coming into this space as well. because uh, it's definitely one of the larger ones in the region. So speaking of stigmas, let's try to debunk a few stigmas. All right, so I'm going to present one and Castle's going to present one. First one, I'm not crazy. Why do I need a therapist? What do you have to say about that? Uh, well, I, I think the first thing that I would probably highlight is the word crazy. Um, I think sometimes we use it pretty loosely, you know, like, oh, it's been a crazy time or, oh, my work is crazy. You know, there's all of these things, but when it definitely comes to talking about mental health uh, or even the other side of the spectrum, which is mental illness, uh, I think we we do need to um, exercise some discretion in usage of such terms. Uh, it could be seen as labeling. It could be seen as triggering for some people. Uh, and definitely for someone who's really going through a hard time, the last thing they need is another, you know, label of judgment, right? Where, where, where we're making. Um, so, so I think that's probably one. Um, hopefully over time as mental health literacy rates, you know, increase uh, and we do our jobs uh, uh, by, by spreading the word, hopefully people will be more aware and sensitive to these things. Um, I think that the second thing that I want to highlight is that, um, a, th- a therapist or a coach uh, speaking to someone, uh, you don't actually have to wait till it's, you know, uh, that point where uh, it's critical or a crisis before you speak to someone. Uh, it's all about preventative care. Uh, so it's very different, right? I think uh, if let's say, for example, you were playing football and you sprained your ankle and it swells up to the size of a golf ball, um, you won't ever hesitate to just go to an orthopedic, get an x-ray done and see what's wrong with it just to make sure, right? Maybe nothing's broken. It just needs some icing, you know, some hot packs and all of that, and it'll be fine. But 
we have no stigma and we just go to the doctor anyway to get that opinion. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of the same when it comes to mental well-being. Uh, we should treat it the way we treat any other part of our physical body. Um, if you're going through a hard time managing stress or uh, certain things are causing us anxiety, there is definitely no harm. Having that independent third party who is going to be a sounding board maybe they'll help us see things in a different perspective right um so definitely don't need to be so quote-unquote crazy uh to do that kind of thing yeah I had a conversation with a friend the other day about how our parents, you know, back in their time, regardless of their mental state, they would always continue to work and bring food to the table. But for our generation now with uh, social media and these conversations that start to pop up in, um, I would call like the modern women, um, it's more of, I want to take care of my headspace first, then only I can function properly. What are your thoughts on this? Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say it's uh, just a different generation altogether. Uh, now, I think there's always a lot of um, talk about generational gaps when it comes to mental health, right? Um, so, you know, things that we normally hear are, oh, you know, people from the older generation, the boomer generation or Gen uh, Z or whatever it is, um, they are not going to understand uh our mental health needs, because for them, it's about hustling. It's about pushing through. Uh, now, I, I do understand there is a gap, but I also don't want to demonize an entire generation uh, simply because we are all products of our era. Uh, and I think, you know, their realities were very different. Um, my own family, for example, you talk about my parents, you talk about my grandparents. They lived through, you know, World War One, World War II, uh, the, the overarching necessity for things were mostly uh, very basic and fundamental, which we all today take for granted. Yeah. Um, and, and I think because of the foundational hard work that they put and the dedication to building a better life for our generations to come, uh, we have this luxury, we have this privilege to not only be educated uh, and have the knowledge and awareness or be woke about our mental well-being, uh, but we also don't have to worry about those basics putting food on the table having shelter over our heads, safety, all of these things that we take for granted today was not a given in their generation. It's a given for us today in most communities, I won't say all. Uh, and, and because of that, we we can start thinking about different aspects as well. Uh, is it to say that the older generation didn't, you know, know about mental health or take care about mental health, um, I would just say they had a very different understanding and an interaction with it. Uh, and in our generation, we have the products of our era with all the, you know, different characteristics. And so we interact, we understand mental health also in a very different way. Uh, and I think it's always good to, to have that open communication with the other generations. Prior to studying Thoughtful, you were an investment banker at JP Morgan in Hong Kong. What prompted you to start this platform? Thoughtful. Uh, so, so I was actually in private banking. So uh, I was at JP for uh, almost six years. And I think one of the biggest motivating factors to start Thoughtful was the fact that um, our families have been caregivers uh, to someone also going through uh, mental health challenges for the last 20 years. Uh, so mm -hmm. as you can imagine, in the late 90s, early 2000s, mental health was not a hashtag that was trending. Uh, it was definitely not uh, something that uh, people, people understood. Uh, and so over the last two decades, I would say we've had a lot of firsthand uh, experiences with the challenges surrounding trying to access 
uh, mental health care. Uh, it's very fragmented. Uh, you have to go to five different places to fi- figure out one answer. Sometimes you don't even get an answer. Uh, and to find those answers, it's highly, highly expensive. Um, and it's definitely not something that, you know, everyone can, 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 can get at. Uh, and so I think what was very frustrating for me to see was how little innovations were actually trickling in. Uh, even after two decades, um, I was privileged enough to spend a lot of time uh, abroad. So the last 15 years I've been in North America, some time in Europe, and then also in Hong Kong, right? Uh, and I think in those times, I've been exposed to different types of mental health care systems. Uh, the crazy kind of, you know, and I use crazy in the most positive ways, right? Like Mm. uh, really boundary pushing kind of innovations happening in the US, for example. Uh, But you're not seeing that trickle down here to places like Southeast Asia. Uh, There's a lot of infrastructure work that needs to be done uh, and definitely more players are needed. And so, yeah, I decided to, um, you know, say goodbye to finance for, for, I don't know if it's for now or forever, who knows? Um, But yeah, I gave up the apartment in Hong Kong, came back and um, yeah, and started thoughtful. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a wonderful journey. No regrets. You have certainly brought that innovation back to Southeast Asia. We can see that Thoughtful has been described as digital therapy. So how is that model different compared to your traditional therapy sessions? Good question. Uh, I, I guess for maybe, I, I, and I don't know if the audience know what traditional or digital is, so I'll just share both. Um, so for the traditional sense, uh, usually it is, you know, a face-to-face one-hour kind of counseling or psychotherapy session with either a counselor or a psychologist. Uh, and so that's the traditional form of therapy. Of course, during the pandemic, uh, some people uh, moved to teletherapy where they did it via Zoom, but same model, right, which is one hour hour, sometimes 90 minutes if it's, you know, necessary. Uh, And you have that, you know, deep conversation. Um, When it comes to digital, it's two things. It's not just the platform that's digital, uh, but it's also about how we're using it to allow us to have more ongoing support. Um, So I think some of the challenges with traditional therapies, number one, um, especially when there are physical locations uh, uh, involved, that in itself is, is an inertia for some people uh, because it might be super far, there's traffic jam, you can't do it during lunchtime in between work, you know, all those things, right? Um, but the other one is also ongoing monitoring and tracking. Um, and this is where, you know, precision mental health care comes in because a lot of times people go for traditional therapy, maybe once a month or uh, once a week if they can afford it, uh, though that's pretty expensive. Um, and so and so, uh, what happens in, you know, between one therapy session to the other is actually a black hole. Um, and, and a lot of things can happen in a month. Your, your emotions can just go like, whoop, like a roller coaster, right? Uh, but none of that is actually insights that your professional will know. Uh, And so they're then making decisions or clinical decisions or advice based on a very limited amount of information uh, that is, that's heavily reliant on what the client can remember to tell them. Uh, And so then it becomes less accurate, right? And and less comprehensive. Uh, And so when you do digital, um, so I think there's a lot of things that is wonderful about it. Um, It's not meant to replace traditional therapy. There's a lot of good that traditional therapy needs, uh, uh, has, uh, but it's a layer to complement it. Um, I think number one, for sure, is the insights that you can get. So for example, on Thoughtful Chat, you have your mood trackers, your thought journals, 
your you know clinical assessments that helps you to keep engaged throughout in between your traditional sessions right uh, so that you actually know how you're you're faring over time is it up is it down why is it up why is it down how do we figure out those patterns you cannot figure out patterns if you don't have the you know the the data points for that um, and then I think the other aspect, apart from just monitoring and continuity, um, is also the fact that you can use digital for economies of scale. Um, so, for example, for the consumer side of things um, on, on Thoughtful Chat, we've really tried to bring prices down. So a one hour counseling session typically runs at about 200 ringgit an yeah. hour. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the typical. Um, so, so for us, we've tried to give, um, you know, for that one hour session, we want to give you full unlimited access to your professional for the entire month. You can text an audio message anytime, anywhere, and your coach, uh, we call them coaches, but they're all counselors and psychologists. Um, and, and, and they can basically, yeah, um, check in with you asynchronously within 24 hours. Yeah, um, I thought to just share my personal journey because uh, after I heard about Thoughtful and I said I want to try out the app and I downloaded it two days ago and mm -hmm. I had my first chat this morning right before the recording. Um, and I think uh, like what you said, if it was in a traditional setting where you have to go to that room, uh, the traffic, whatever, maybe you would be scared because when I was like texting the person, I feel a bit like scared because it's my first time. And I think it's just the Asian mindset of like, oh my gosh, you're going to see a therapist. And now I think it's truly makes me feel like safe from here, but I still kind of scary to send the first text and like um, to share my goals, what I want to get through this um, sessions. But uh, my question is on a scale of one to 10, one being completely ignorant and 10 being very familiar, how would you rank Malaysians' mental health awareness? Um, before the pandemic, I would probably rank it at maybe four. <laughs> um, and then after the pandemic, possibly, uh, I would say maybe about six, six to seven. But again, I think it really depends, right? Um, we all live in a bubble. Uh, so in Malaysia, you know, if you're in Penang, if you're in KL, Klang Valley area, in Johor, like in the big cities, uh, I think there's a lot more exposure to something like that. Uh, but, but there are also areas that maybe have not, right? Um, so, so I think it's something we should take into account. Uh, but on that note too, awareness and literacy is two different things. To know about the word mental health is one thing, uh, but to actually understand what it is, what it isn't, uh, and, and how we can interact with it on our own or be of support to someone else, that kind of literacy for mental health is, is a whole different, it's a whole different ball game. Uh, and so, I would actually ask the question, what do you think mental literacy would be in, in, in the country? Uh, and I think we have a lot of work to do. Mm. And going beyond there, you know, we have awareness and then we move up to literacy and then we actually move up to the most important stage, which is practice. And that's where we see the biggest discrepancy. You know, we work long hours. We have to try to exercise. We have to be healthy, drink enough water, maintain social relationships, take care of household responsibilities. It seems that the modern life that we have to live simply has no room for mental health care. Do you agree? Like, is the modern hustler life just inherently detrimental to your mental health? Uh, I don't want to sound like some, you know, 
idealistic hippie and cliche, but <laughs> mental health care is definitely supposed to be a way of life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so it's not something that you add on to your task because you've just listed a bunch of daily tasks to me, right? That goes onto your to-do list. Uh, mm-hmm. Mental health care is not something that you add on at the bottom of that list. Uh, it is the method in which you choose to put those tasks there, how you react to each and every one of those tasks that you're doing uh, and managing your emotional reaction and also investment into each and each of those tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think um, with mental health care, for example, um, you brought up the hustler life. I fundamentally do not agree with this, even though I myself have been definitely in those kind of um, uh, uh, environments. Uh, and I think we all are, right? There's this glorification of the hustler life. Um, and, and to be honest, there's nothing glorifying about being burnt out from the hustler life. Uh, and so I think it's definitely something to consider. Um, are we, when you're eating, are you mindfully eating? Uh, when you're doing your house chores, are you doing it with a lot of resentment and hate or are you doing it because you know it's part of maintaining a beautiful environment for you to be happy in um it's that kind of you know um angling i would say in in, uh, frame of mind as well what what lens you kind of view things under right exactly so just to follow up on that so a little bit of personal story i just finished bar school so for those of us who know about bar school we know that you have no life and sometimes it feels like we don't have that option you know you have 30 chapters that you need to get in your brain by the end of this week and something like that so sometimes it's not just about the lens it's also just about the amount of work that we had to deal with and honestly I have never broken broken down so much in my life but in those situations where the task list is just set for you where you don't have a choice on how you know what how many things you can put on that list how do we as people change that lens how do we snap ourselves out of that bad headspace you know I don't have a choice to take a break I have to complete all these things so how do I snap myself out of you know hating myself. Yeah. Uh, So I think sometimes uh, we will be in those situations. I mean, I used to be in finance and it it was Morgan. (laughs) Also, no, I I won't say JP Morgan's horrible. I actually really enjoyed my time there and I have a a lot of great mentors, Um, but just the industry in general is Mm -hmm. pretty strenuous, right? It's super long hours. There's more work than one individual should be doing most probably. Um, And and I think sometimes we're in this situation where we feel like we just don't have a choice. We have all these, all these things we need to do. And, and um, uh, you know, what do we do about it? Um, And this is where I would break it down. Right. Uh, A lot of times our anxieties, our stress levels rocket up because we look at everything as this big blob of things. Uh, like I have so many things, so I cannot take any breaks, blah, blah, blah. But uh, reality is if you took a half hour nap or if you took a five minute pause to do a quick meditation or maybe even, you know, uh, an extra five minutes in the morning before you start your day to do a quick journaling or to talk to your coach, right, about how the day is like, how the day was like, you know, at the end of the day, Um is that going to really be a life? Like, is that going to really put everything off track? I don't think so. Um, A lot of times these are small practices that we can put into our daily life. Uh, Taking a short walk. I mean, is it going to, 
because of that walk, do you think you're not going to be able to finish your task ahead? I don't think so. You'll most probably be doing it much faster and better because you have that headspace and the clarity of mind. Um, so, so sometimes it's about not looking at the things as a big blob, but understanding like, okay, there's a lot of stuff. How do I break that down? And then as I break that down, can I slip in one or two things that will allow me to power on better? Um, or at least be in a space where I don't spend half of my energy freaking out. Uh, Sometimes you're tired mostly because of that and you're less productive. Um, So, yeah. So, so at what stage should someone start to seek professional help instead of just confiding in their friends and family? Mm, So I'll ask the same question, right? At what stage do you uh, go to a proper gym and a yoga class rather than asking your mother and father or your friends to teach you a class? Hmm. Do you wait until they teach you and then you get injured because they weren't qualified to do it? Or do you go right off the bat? But I feel like this is something that it's natural for us to do, like to confide in your friends about uh, work or like relationship. Like we just talk it out because we are best friends and then we share our struggles together. Yeah. Um, and honestly, uh, I think that should continue to go on. But are they the best... Um, I would say objective sounding board to help you uh, reflect and and react uh, in the, the most constructive manner. Uh, the things about family and friends is that they're quite entrenched in your life. Um, so for example, you're not going to get a surgeon who's going to operate on his mother, right? Uh, because they're too emotionally vested in it. And there's a whole bunch of code of ethics that probably is being crossed over there. Uh, but there's a reason for that is because emotionally they're too vested. So they can't make the right decision and objective, like hold their objectivity. Uh, and it's the same thing, right? If we're going to friends and family for support and to, you know, have a chat uh, and, and you know, just have a release, that's totally fine. But if you're going to go to them and expect them to give you constructive answers all the time, every time, uh, then my question will be, is that the best use of your time? And are you being fair to them as well? Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, because it's your it's your agency to 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 make those decisions uh and and in your life so why are we putting that that onus on them uh so i think there's a couple of things to think about when we do that uh to me i kind of feel like talking to your friends or family is kind of like taking Panadol. So like for the small minor issues, you may be able to get away with it. But like when you start to like really fall sick, then, you know, if Panadol is not working, then you have to recognize and maybe get, you know, medical or get a doctor essentially. Do you think that this makes sense? Um, I would say maybe uh, there is a negative lens to which that was angled because why is it that we're angling it as you have to be sick in order to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's all about being proactive, even when you're at the best of your mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, for example, um, you're not going to wait again. You don't wait it's until like you're healthy you, and you still yeah. run you're twice not, a week. <laughs> exactly. You're not going to wait till your muscles start atrophying before you go and exercise. You do it before it happens. Uh, and it's the same thing for your mind, right? Like we should, we should constantly be 
building a sense of self-awareness, which yeah. I don't know why we don't have classes in this in class, uh, in schools. We probably should. Um, our emotional well-being, uh, are we even aware of the emotions that we go through? Do we mm. know how to label them? These kind of things. You don't have to wait till you're already mentally, you know, going through a lot of challenges. It's things that actually help you be stronger, better, more resili- uh, resilient early, uh, earlier on so that you don't have to take that Panadol in the first place. So for those who may not be prepared to seek professional help, how can we as quote-unquote normal people better support our loved ones? Mm, uh, I would say that I don't believe in like normalcy. I think we're all unique in our wonderful ways. Um, But I think for us to uh, be of best support to other people, um, take care of yourself first. Otherwise, you're in no place to take care of anybody else. And you might even, you know, do more damage than not. Um, so I think that's definitely one. Uh, the second thing, uh, as a caregiver myself, um, I think it's pretty um, imperative for us to actually know what we're talking about and what we're doing. Um, I think the last thing you want is to uh, project your opinions on someone that, uh, you know, may or may not be needing it in, in, at, at that point in life, right? Uh, and so I think educating ourselves about maybe what they're going through uh, and knowing when to say, actually, this is something I am not sure how to best support you, but I am totally here with you and I can go with you um, to go seek out some of those answers and maybe we can go speak to a couple of people yeah. who, who will have those answers. Um, yeah. I love your message, Joan, that you're like, let's do preventative and let's not do it as a cure. Because if you constantly take care of like, let's your physical health, right? If you're always taking care of your diet, you don't have to worry about the health complications that come when you get obese. And, and that similar line of reasoning applies to mental health. And I love how you take that. And you're just like, we're not here to fix your problems. We're here to be a guide to prevent you from getting worse or, pre- or to keep you in a good hit space. And I think that prevention better than cure i know like people say this all the time but when it comes to mental health for something you can't really see that becomes all the more important thank you so much for coming on the show today and teaching us so much it was very informative no worries thank you suin and thank you castle and thank you listener for tuning in please remember take care of your mental health especially this time in covid you know you're not just using hand sanitizers and masks you also got to watch out for yourself take care everyone and have a great week ahead bye-bye now that was a really good conversation I'm actually really looking forward to using that app because like the idea of having like a therapist or like someone to listen to me in my pocket sounds like Mm. a really good idea yeah I I learned so much from the conversation today even though I read a lot of articles about it or even have conversations about mental health with my friends but the insights that she gave us today was um, just so good and also to our listeners who's listening to the Recess Podcast Joan um, after the conversation she's kind enough to give our listeners a promo code so for those who's interested who's curious and who wants to start on this journey and you don't want to go out to a traditional um, therapist um, I think this is a good place to start I myself I started yesterday um, so for those who are interested again the promo code will be listed down in our description box below so feel free to check it out and have a good day 